Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man whose body simply will not allow him to press for 90 minutes anymore. <laughs> it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Maybe, maybe nine minutes. I um, So I, I played football for the first time in a long time the other day. Uh, I mentioned several times on the podcast my, my troubles with injuries uh, over that over this period of time. And like, yeah, so like... <laughs> Uh, the last time I played football, I was like regularly doing like sprint sessions every other day or whatever. And now uh, every every last bit of cardio that I had is gone. And um, and Thiago Esteval, who who I'm sure quite a few of you follow on on Twitter, came over from Portugal um, the other week for the Stats One conference. And and he has a every time he comes over, he does a, a sevens game. Um, uh, the Thiago Invitational, and I played there, and I, oh my! I was like ten minutes in, I was like, I I had this moment of awareness where it's like I don't have like high enough energy levels that I can like be confident in my ability to trap the ball anymore. Like I don't think I can reach out to foot in <laughs> reaction to a part. That's that's where I'm at. So was it like no, I can't press for ninety minutes. Was it kind of the feeling that you thought you were going to be sick if you carried on running? It it was it wasn't a million miles from that. It was like the nausea was was beginning to build. Yeah, I remember I remember that when I when I got over my knee ligament injury and went back to football for the first time. I'd done no like individual <laughs> cardio or anything. I'd done, yeah. I'd done no running or anything prior. I just thought I'll just throw. I'll be fine. Just it's just game of game of sevens with my mates, and um, that that was a mistake. I remember literally after five minutes being sort of hun- hunched over behind the goal, retching, thinking, I, I, don't think, I don't think I can do any more. I've done my, I've done my five minutes. And, and then the, the second wind kicks in and I was I was all right. I just sort of played cautiously at the back and just, yeah, swept things up and eased myself back into it for a few weeks. But it's tough, isn't it? Turns out football's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we make it sound so easy on this fucking podcast, but it's, it takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? Yeah, too much. Yeah, too much. Pack it in. Forget so about the it. reason that that intro for Nathan was relevant was um, because he's he's put out a video on pressing this week. Um, Buddy, have you watched Nathan's video yet? 
No, I haven't. Otherwise, oh, you're in for a treat. It's it's good stuff. It's good <laughs> stuff. It's um yeah, it's it shows Spurs doing lots of interesting pressing against Mura. Um and Villa and Villa that's two mm. games on the trot and basically that's the first time that we've pressed the opposition well for two games on the trot for a long long time um I don't know it's it, like it's the specific focus is on like is on Kane because there's been a worry for me and not just for me but for a long time that um that as our first line of defense mm-hmm. um and as the initiator of any pressing we're doing he takes significant responsibility for our um for our lack of pressing um but i that wasn't the case <laughs> in the last couple of games so obviously it's early uh, and it's like it's too like it's a bad team in mura who were already kind of half beaten and and the villa side who certainly aren't afraid to play long so it's early to sort of be like yep everything's brilliant harry mm-hmm. kane is is basically a pressing monster once again but like i my feeling at the moment is that we are making significant strides to being a really good pressing side again and that will do so much for Nuno's football um, because like (laughs) when you can't like when you can't when we're failing so much to generate from our own possession um, having an ability to change the game to something a lot more back and forth um, (laughs) could save his job basically (laughs) so uh, keep an eye out for that in the next couple of games I I don't know if you noticed but um in the clips you showed, I I picked up on something that I hadn't picked up on before, and that is that yeah. um, Dane Scarlett's a really handy presser. Yeah, yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Uh, There's a couple of moments where it's like he's not sure mm. who to go to because it's like obviously like in the lead up to getting your like second or third game for the club, mm-hmm. you're thinking like where do I run? How do, how do I get my goal? That kind of thing. And not sort of prioritizing about how we're going to press. And it's like, there's a few moments where it's like, he doesn't know whether to, to, um, like, um, prioritize the spare midfielder mm-hmm. or push up to the center back. You've got to think like, are we a team who are prioritizing, um, the block prioritizing mm-hmm. denial of access into midfield. Are we a team who, who are, are desperate to force them long, who don't want to give the opposition any time on the ball? Are we a team who want to lay traps and try to create high turnovers and make all of those kind of decisions in a split moment? So there's a kind of a few times where he like, he edges one way and then he goes the other and then he goes back again because he's like, Oh wait, no, that's not the right one. But he definitely has the energy and the keenness, um, that is necessary. I, with Scarlett specifically, um, I, I like him. I think he's a good talent. I, I haven't been too impressed with him. Obviously, it's difficult circumstances to come into and he's very young and there's plenty, plenty of time for him to develop. I don't think he is ready for the football that he's mm-hmm. playing or the level of football that he's been playing at so far this season. I think Parrot was closer, but he needed the loan. So we're kind of in a, in a weird position where, where Scarlett's getting those minutes now. I think uh, as much as I'm someone who's continually like, let's get this young player some minutes. Yeah, let's get this young player some minutes. I actually think Scarlett is a rare case where I'm thinking this is maybe a bit much, a bit early for him. Um, but yes, but good, good energy in his, in his defensive work. That's for sure. I, I completely agree, by the way. I think, um, Mark Hande should have had all of Scarlett's minutes so far, to be honest. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I do really like Scarlett. I think he's a very high potential player. I would like to see him go on loan, um, as soon as possible, to be honest, because I, I agree. He's not ready for the level of football he's being asked to play. He's so young. He's a baby, 17. Yeah. Um, and, and he's baby faced too. <laughs> he really does look so young. Bless him. Uh, Parrot's, Parrot's coming along really nicely, by the way. Um, 
I've got. Would you consider a recall in January? So the only reason I would consider a recall in January would be to then send him back out to a championship team because okay. because I think he's ready to to go into the championship now and um and I think he'd impress there. But part of me thinks it's going well. He fits the start of play nicely. He's doing good things. Just keep him there for the season. L- allow him to accumulate some goals, get some confidence, and then he comes back in preseason a much more fully okay. formed player who's who's ready for some serious minutes and then let him play Europa League should we should we qualify for Europa League next <laughs> year let Parrot have all of those minutes and then we go from there yeah that's exciting and and Bardi you've been a busy man this week blimey you've been on been... been on other podcasts and you've been doing your football manager streams too busy to watch my video <laughs> it felt very strange going on a podcast about you two there to hold my hand and <laughs> let me loose so I had to had to be careful what I was saying uh, yeah we <laughs> We started a new um, a new football manager stream after the Italian experiment ended up with me being fired before Christmas. Someone came up with a bright idea of, of why don't I do the same, but with Argentine players. So we're we've we've gone back to August twenty twenty one, and we're trying to build a team full of Argentine players to see if I can win the league. But it's really difficult. Argentinians, there's not many defenders out there that are available in <laughs> FM twenty one. So I, I don't think I'm going to get past January. Yeah, and I was on the United Mates podcast. Um, um, Joe is a Spurs fan. He, he he claims to be a regular listener, so he might be listening. But if you're interested in listening to two guys, an Arsenal fan and a Spurs fan, who are longtime friends, chat about football, give their podcast a listen. They've had some they've had some big people on there apart from me. They've had Mark Halsey, the former ref, Simon Cox, um, Kevin Bond as well. So there's there's loads of content there for you to go and catch up on. There and they're nice guys. They're really good people. Yeah, I've got mm. a lot of time for them. And um, and yeah, Kaitel, despite being a, a gooner, is is very pleasant. Um, yeah, he's one of those um, good gooners, you know. That yeah, yeah. Understands, yeah. Not, he, not an idiot. He understands his place in the world. <laughs> exactly. So this episode is um, in the international break, obviously. So we're going to focus on on getting through some of your questions. Lots of listeners sending questions, and to be honest, we don't really get around to answering as many as we'd like. So this is a great opportunity to catch up a bit. Um, real quick though, um, Bardi, Italy. Are you happy with the third place in the in the Nations League? Yeah, it's not too bad. It, it kind of highlighted the problems that we had before the Euros, and we we just we, we lack a forward, and our defenders can our older defenders can be exposed, and they are can be idiotic. We <laughs> kind of got through the Euros with with two donkeys up front, and our midfield and Chiesa got us through that tournament. And now against Spain, where we really needed a forward, we didn't have one. And then Bonucci doing stupid Bonucci things, but there's some positives there for sure. Um, Pellegrini played fantastic against Belgium. And and Bastoni, despite one error against Spain, really looks ready to to step into that back four. So there's there's positives for sure. Nice, Nathan. Did you catch England at all? God no, no, no. I I think at this stage, I'm like major tournaments only England watcher. I think yeah, and I think it's just like. England are better to watch in friendlies probably more nowadays than they have been for the last 10 years or at least a significant portion of it but I'm just sort of I'm past watching low level or friendly in England games I'm I'm a a casual now I'm a a glory hunter only I have to say I have to say the United the United Nation, the the Nations League is miles <laughs> miles better than friendlies. It's miles better than um, than qualifying. It's it's pretty good. Spain went at it. Belgium went at it. There was four teams there that really wanted to win it. Even though it's Mickey Mouse, and I don't care about it because we didn't win it. But they every team really tried to go for it, and it was good football. Yeah, I was just going to say with England, there were no Spurs players involved as well, which kind of probably play a part yeah, in me not watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm always more tempted to to watch even friendlies if there's a Spurs involvement, but alas, no, not on that one. 
So let's get stuck into some questions. This is from Tatonka2000, who says, We seem to be seeing the painful rebuild that Poch mentioned coming about in the last mm. window. Players like Romero and Emerson Royale are walking into our starting eleven and improving the team. This brings me to two questions. One, what is the value of some of the longer-serving Spurs players in the market? How much could we realistically get for players that are now squad choices like Winks or, sadly, Delhi? And two, which position would be the easiest to upgrade currently on our best 11? And which current available player would be the best fit for it, in your view? Hmm, yeah. I mean, Bardi, first, painful rebuild. Uh, we're all sick of hearing about that phrase, aren't we? But Yeah. Uh, and I think we we can say now that we are past the painful rebuild because we sold off, a, we got rid of a lot of the old guard, we brought in some younger players. I think, that, I think we can say we're all done with that phrase. We don't need to use the phrase painful rebuild anymore. It's happened. We're beyond that. Let's move I disagree. Forward. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I think it's going to be an ongoing thing for the next, like, three win- uh, summers, basically, I think. That, basically, yeah, until there's, there's... Kane and Larissa are gone. Is that what you're... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's quite possible. No, I think... And then after that, basically, until we are contending again for the two major trophies we're in the process of getting back to that level again okay that and okay. that might be a that might be all of eternity okay uh, I, I mean <laughs> you hate it don't I, you you hate that phrase hate, so much it's just so like we've been saying it for so long it's kind of lost its meaning i think to be honest i think the painful rebuild is just appointing the right manager now that's the that's the painful bit the painful bit is wa- waiting for the correct manager to be in post uh, and then i think everything else will flow build, building a football squad is like you know the golden gate bridge they start painting it and by the time they get to the end they've got to go back and paint it again I think it's that bridge <laughs> anyway it's something big that you need to paint and you'll you'll never stop painting it it's just that's just how rebuilds work the problem was Spurs stopped still the the painters went and had a cup of tea for two years and then they were like holy shit we've really got to paint fast and it, it's going to be painful and it will never stop being painful unless like Nathan says unless you start winning things and you're right at the top but even then you need to rebuild and that's why um, the dinner that Ferguson built yes it was he was helped by nice refereeing decisions and a lot of money and the power the power there was a lack of uh, other competing clubs within the Premier League so he was able to kind of get his own way but his skill was constantly rebuilding mm-hmm. whilst mm-hmm. going forward he was always painting that bridge mm-hmm. and we we are still we're paying for not um, after the World Cup in 2018 not going out and signing some, some players then so I think we need to I agree with you let's ban the painful rebuild phrase never use it again and uh, they should stop talk about Pochettino as well he's, he's annoyed me especially with these comments today that he wants to win the league with Tottenham before he dies it's just like man, oh I've missed that I've, I've missed I missed that what are you on about I saw it he said it in French and this is the discord have discord mugged me off have they just fed me a line and I've, and... I've been completely out of touch today I've been so busy you've been bison mate yeah, I've been bison oh my yeah. god you've been gored anyway, by the bison I saw I saw I saw something and, <laughs> and Pochettino <laughs> wants to win the league with Tottenham before he dies which is something that I would like to see happen as well Pochettino dies I've not seen this score anywhere. <laughs> I think you've been done. Maybe I've just made it up. Anyway, we we stopped. Join our Patreon and take the piss out of Barney, mislead him completely, get him to say embarrassing things on the podcast. Let's, we need to get back to painting and ignore the rebuilding. That's that's my yeah. I, 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 to be honest, Bardi, I agree with you completely. I think this is no longer a painful rebuild. It's just it's just football squad building now. Like we've done, in my view, we've cleared out the old, we've brought in some new. Now let's carry on moving the squad along year on year. A few signings here and there, a few sales here and there. Lovely stuff. That's football, isn't it? Yep. Um, Nathan, what do you think some of our um, unwanted players might be realistically worth in the market now? So I mean, I think this is an interesting discussion. Discussion point to be honest, because it's 
there's an element of this which is like what are they worth now and what might have they been worth if we'd sold them at the right time mm. so harry winks for example if we sold them at the right time we might have got 20 30 yeah i was gonna say 25 but maybe 30 we might have got 30 mm. million for harry winks what do you think he's worth now nathan in today's market mm. so we've been through this long period of time as a club where like we're bad at selling off our yes we're bad at doing painful rebuilding <laughs> because Daniel Levy wants to exert maximum value from every every sold asset. And um now Paratici is in and he will take a deal. Like he will he will get some of the books, get some of the books. Because it's like, okay, you might get like an extra you or there's a potential for like an extra five million out of a player, but what you lose is a squad place, um maybe a non homegrown spot. Um someone has to play in like a cup semi final mm-hmm. because someone else is injured and then maybe not very good or not very good anymore or not suited to what the new manager wants or whatever. So you end up making that loss elsewhere. Um, whereas Paratici is, is like his, I've got a budget and I will put into that budget and I'll take out from that budget and I want to move these players on. So that's what I'm going to do. So I think that we will be looking at like in the 15 million region for Winks. Delhi is one who personally, I think that there is a hell of a lot more value to be taken from. He's 25. He's still brilliant. We don't need to have the Delhi conversation every single podcast. It, <laughs> it, it upsets Reddit to no end. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So... <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. The message, the comment about us being in the pocket of Big Delhi was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I was literally going to use that exact phrase. It's like, I, I, I I have had no contact with Delhi's agent. <laughs> I, I I receive. I am not in the pocket of, of Big Delhi. I hold no um, racial or sexual prejudice in favour of Delhi. So people keep using this he's word bias, sexy. and we he's talked about sexy. we talked about he is pretty sexy. That's true, actually. Damn. Uh, people keep using this word bias, right? <laughs> and we talked about this when we had like the Mourinho thing going on. Yeah. We're biased against Mourinho, but like bias just means that I like Delhi. I'm just a Spurs fan who has a player that he likes. I think Delhi's a good player. That's why I'm biased in, in favor of Delhi. But that word has these like negative connotations that are like there's something mischievous and dark going on. That's like yeah, the Delhi's agent is paying me off to talk good about him on a podcast, which is which is just absurd. It is absurd. <laughs> so, but I would absolutely be open to any conversations that anyone wants to have about uh, paying us podcast at the extra inch. Yeah, yeah. UK. I mean, yeah. you have to you have to think. You have to think about it like Delhi sits down with his agent, and his agent's like, "Del, you know what, mate? Your your opinion rating is, has dropped <laughs> through the floor. We we need to pick you up. So what we're going to do is we're going we're going to target these podcasts, and we're going to feed them some money. These are our demographic. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to feed them some money, and then they're going to say that you still got it. I mean, I don't. I would sell Delhi tomorrow because I think I think it's all over for him. As, as sad as that is, so obviously I didn't get the check. I don't know where my check is. <laughs> I've embezzled it all. <laughs> we'll, we'll go for two out of three on the podcast, and that'll be a, that's a sufficient majority. There's no need to stretch the budget extra there. Exactly. Let's go for the two that have that talk common sense and just ignore the other one. <laughs> and Delhi's worth body in the in the market as it is now. What would you take? Um, I, I would take thirty to forty million pounds. I think there's still there's still potential there. He he, as I keep saying, he could do great things up alongside Chris Wood for Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, Nathan, how much would you be willing to accept for Delhi? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't, basically. I, no one's going to meet my valuation. I think that, as he's still only 25, that um, that we should we should gamble on his value increasing over the next few years still. Um, and there's very few players that I hold that position for. As you know, I'm, I'm very much said everyone, but Delhi, I think, is, um, you know, 
is a is a we would be selling low mm-hmm. um at a poor time when they're still often like what happens is um Remember when I said we should sell Serge Aurier because he was having a good run of yes. games in the nearest window, right? Often, like, once a player's value decreases, it decreases permanently because they are getting older. Whereas Delhi is still so young that I still think he has huge potential upside. So Delhi is someone who I would basically not be looking to mm-hmm. sell, I don't think. Unless, unless, unless there was just some huge, unless someone was looking at, like, I guess 60 plus, but they're just not going to because people aren't valuing him based on his ability. They're valuing him based on his performances and his performances haven't been good because our team hasn't been good. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. Uh, who else have we got? I have, one, I have one question. I have one question for both of you on Delhi. If, um, say for example, City come back in for, for Kane next year and things haven't worked out for Foden or Grealish, would you do a swap for, like, if it involved, would you would you swap Delhi for Foden or Grealish? Is he, do you hold him in that high esteem? I would swap him for Grealish. I would... Ooh, would I swap him for... Yeah, okay, I'll swap him for Foden. Yeah, why not? Go okay. for it. Yeah, yeah. Also, okay. Just... Also, I think the best thing for Delhi now is to, to loan him out until we've got a good manager uh, who will actually make the best of his talents. <laughs> you don't... You can't loan him <laughs> no, out, man. We, we, we should have loaned him... We should have loaned him when he wanted to go to PSG last January. That would have been the best thing to do for all parties. Get get him Lingarded. <laughs> give him a little give him a little boost. Okay. Lingard's a good argument. Yeah, give him a little boost. Put him in a team that actually plays to his strengths. Watch him deliver because he's brilliant. Uh then he comes back happy. We've got a new manager who plays him to his strengths. Great, we move on. PSG could do with someone who will do any defensive work up front, to be fair. And that's his one of his absolute key strengths is his incredible pressing. Drop that slacker Messi to the bench yeah. and get a workhorse in the ten slot box. Would you, you know swap you Delhi for Messi? <laughs> <laughs> a straight swap between the two clubs yeah. um and then yeah who else who else do we want shot of from the starting are ben davis how much is ben davis worth 10 million 10 to 15 yeah Matt Dotty, two three uh if you if you come and pick him up yourself yeah. he's by the curb someone posted there was a there's and i and i i, I keep getting drawn into mentioning these on the podcast because i'm too scared to retweet them because i feel bad about it but there is a compilation of doherty's performance against arsenal and it is Ooh. oh my goodness Ooh. it is it is it is powerfully bad yeah. <laughs> it's yeah i'm not sure i could bring myself to watch that um lucas would you would you sell lucas i mean he's not going to sell yeah no way is nuno going to sell lucas lucas is absolutely key to nuno's plan but if he were if he were uh unwanted what would you take for lucas 20 million you can get 20 out of lucas for sure he's, he's 29 i reckon 20 20 million's reasonable hmm. i know i think if you shift you know two or three of these kind of players you're you're making you're getting a good return they are they are worth someone something to someone exactly, like exactly. enough and Bardi Sanchez I know you I know you like Davinson but um, what would you take for him um, anywhere between 30 to 40 I'd take for him I think he still commands that kind of value and he'll do a he'll do a cracking job somewhere I think that sounds like a lot I know we paid 40 for him but I think do you think f- he, he's still young he's an international and uh, he with the right coaching and, and if you put, put a proper midfield in front of him I'm sure he'll be fine okay um, and the other part of Tatonka's question was which position would be the easiest to upgrade currently on our best 11 and which current available player would be the best fit for it well, the, the second part of that is tricky I think 
Um, I think the obvious upgrade position is right wing uh, and and second centre back. They're the two for me, the big like really obvious ones. No, um, I, I think a a third midfield would be quite useful as well. Um, someone I don't know. I've just got I've, I'm a bit especially with Endombele just not seeming to to fit under under Nuno. Maybe a third midfielder or somebody to replace um, an upgrade on Skip or an upgrade on Huyberg might be an easy thing to solve. I mean, if we if we're really investing in Nuno, if we're really investing in Nuno. Then the obvious solution is go back in for Adama because that's what makes this system work. And you know, go for Ruben Neves. <laughs> Why not? But God, don't do that, Spurs. For God's sake, please do not sign these types of players. Wait. <laughs> I'll let you know how to upgrade our first eleven if we ever see it on the pitch together. At once. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also it's really hard to work out at the moment what system we're going to play, which players will play where, because like maybe he does give the Celso a run wide right in a four-two-three-one, and I honestly I think that's fine. I think that's give it ten games, and I think that will be absolutely fine. And then it's not a weakness anymore in my in my in my eyes. But I still think like a partner for Romero, although I think Dyer's played well this season. I think sure. that is an obvious system so. upgrade. Who would that be though, Nathan? Uh, Laporte, Jules Kounde. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it's still my pick. Pal <laughs> uh, Torres. Yeah. yeah, I like Torres. I like Torres a lot. I think he's outstanding in so many areas, but just sort of slightly bullyable physically. Yeah. I don't know if he's he's likely to sort of grow into his frame a little more. He's still kind of on the youngish side. There is a little bit of a concern there um, in terms of like just athleticism, but um, but otherwise he's ridiculous. Otherwise he's like in every other area he's like a top. Uh, 10 centre back in the world he really is outstanding so it's whether you sort of want to accept that downside and just be like well if any crosses come into the box then Romero needs to get across <laughs> but, um, or you know you need a keeper who claims who claims crosses I, I retweeted a, a graphic earlier mm. showing that Larice does not <laughs> has no interest in involving himself in crosses mm-hmm. at all under under basically any which like he back in uh, back in his early time at Spurs he would come out and punch a, a lot yeah I was about to say um, that but now he just he remains because and and someone made the made the point in the reply sorry I've forgotten who that like it, it, it he started to get less good at that and like because his shot stopping is so good it just it makes more sense for him to let the shot happen and then save it than it does to try to interfere with the shot and try to to punch it away um so yeah and then and then potentially get you know it underneath him while he's flying in the air doing a superman impression so so yeah that's really interesting and i wonder if that is something he's picked up on himself or whether that's something that's been coached well, something that happened, there was a dramatic change in like the second year under Pochettino, I think. You were early on because it's like, oh, you have this, um, this manager who wants to press high and have a high line. You have this keeper who sweeps out of his books and it's like that, well, that match is really, and then very quickly it became no. Unlike how Larice played under previous less high defending managers, Larice is now a six yard box only keeper. So there appears to have been a coaching decision made fairly on early on under Pochettino that, that Larice should, should stop sweeping, which is interesting. Mm. So actually, the um, the next question does follow on nicely. It's from Elliot, who says, after another great performance for France in the Nations League, especially after a wonder save from De Bruyne, is there any conceivable reason why we aren't extending Luis's contract? 
Barney, how would you handle this with Luis now? How long do you want him to be our first choice? I think Nathan pretty much nailed it today in his tweet that Luis has and always has been an incredible shot stopper. And, but he doesn't give us what we need. He's a not a possession-based goalkeeper. He doesn't sweep anymore, as, we, as you've spoken about. And his crossing stats, that, that's insane. I, didn't, I realized that he wasn't coming for crosses anymore, but he seems to be permanently glued to, glued to his line. So th- that's a huge problem. But the, the fact that a goalkeeper is good at shot stopping is, is something which I've been getting upset about for many, many years now, dating all the way back to Pickford. When when I call back in the day when I call Pickford shit, I mean of course Pickford's not shit, but he's so he's good at shot stopping. That's essentially how you become a goalkeeper: is that you're you've got good reactions and you can stop a ball. Everything else is what elevates you to the next level. And if you compare Donnarumma, who's an incredible shot stopper, but he's got everything else in his game. He comes across this. He's got passing. That's the difference between a good goalkeeper and then that next level goalkeeper. Should we renew Lloris's contract? Probably because I don't know where we're going to go out and get a better. Yeah goalkeeper right now so yes but I wouldn't be surprised if we go and get a possession based manager or a manager who wants to play a certain style that he just won't just come in and do what Guardiola did with mm-hmm. Hart and just mm-hmm. bin him off because you're forgetting that when Hart was still at City he was pretty good then he wasn't the yeah. Hart that we that we know now and uh, person Guardiola went for Bravo and yeah I I don't think it's a necessity to replace Lloris straight away but at some point when we make a decision on how we want to play as a football team Lloris would be the big casualty of that and losing him for free doesn't really make sense I think that's a really good point if we if we appoint the right manager then absolutely give them whatever budget they need to bring in a suitable goalkeeper because it all starts from there and if that means 40 million on Melier or David Rea then go for it they're they're quality young goalkeepers who have well, huge David Rea is not that he's not that young he's mid, mid 20s 26 mid 20s yeah he's mid 20s which is, I guess you've is got 6-7 years yeah, yeah. I, I, for, for a high level keeper you'd have 6-7 more years mm. so, the, so the money makes the money's less of an issue because it's spread over a longer period of time um, but he's great with his feet Melier also is, is good with his feet I think they'd be astute signings for if, if we did move back towards a possession style that would be just lovely or Sanchez of Brighton is also excellent I think um, yes I, I really rate him also I, I need to see a little bit more of Sanchez I was a bit I was a bit surprised when they stopped when they dropped Ryan he had he had some qualities but then Sanchez has totally transformed transformed that team and does does everything that Potter yeah, yeah. wants, wants yeah. to do I need to see a bit more of him before I make a decision but yeah that's that's an example of a goal of a manager that swapped out his goalkeeper for somebody who gives him a little bit more he, he's a bit like how you described Donnarumma he's he can do everything he does he, well, he, he obviously at a lower level than Donnarumma but he tries mm. to do everything he's a very like all action goalkeeper and I, I really like him it's kind yeah, of like this, high this... risk high reward there's still a balance you have to have between being able to, they have to essentially be able to stop the ball, which is something Galini can't do, which is why Galini's <laughs> not a not fit for purpose to be our long term replacement. But he he'll give us an idea of, of of what a passing goalkeeper can do because I I I can't the amount of times that Lloris just booted the ball out over our fullback's head is just it's it's too much, and the amount of times he's not been able to to get us up the pitch quickly or start an attack. Yeah, I can count one, maybe one counter-attack he started in his lifetime at Tottenham, <laughs> and that was this season <laughs> against Wolves. Yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, they're few and far between for sure. It's, it's definitely not a strength. But he's not a bad goalkeeper. He's a great goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Just he needs a certain way to play. I think uh, pop another year on the end, do mm-hmm. a do a, an extension job, and also look for an actual replacement, not not Galini or. 
<laughs> the other string of, of subordinates that we've had to play on Delorey since. I mean, Milan had to replace Donnarumma this year, and I, <coughs> I, I can't even begin to pronounce his name. We're going to butcher it, but they've in Mike. They've signed Mike, and he's. <laughs> I like him. I like him a lot, and I think he he's an example of you can you can get rid of your number one goalkeeper, have him leave, and then go out there and scout wisely and get a good goalkeeper in, in place. Nice. Signing a spe- and the thing when I when I say signing a set piece specialist, I really do mean signing James Wood Prowse because I think that he is all near uniquely brilliant mm-hmm. in his in the roundedness of his set piece delivery. So you have like. Um, I remember when Ericsson was first at Spurs and then maybe not so much later on, like he could hit a free kick from a very specific location. And then you have really good penalty takers, you have really good left corner takers and right corner takers. James Ward-Prowse is the complete dead ball specialist. Uh, he's also a sort of okay Premier League player. Uh so I mean, like football is not like other other kicker <laughs> sports, right? Where you can just bring someone on to take the kick and then go away again. Uh, but I do think you have to start from the idea you can't. We couldn't be starting games on a regular basis with James Wood Prowse in the team, whether you pushed him out wide or if you played him in whatever. Like he's gonna cause you both defensive and offensive problems if you want to be like a Champions League contending team. But I think that you buy James Wood Prowse. 
and you play him for the last 20 minutes of any game that you're chasing and i think that that is i think that is and you have specific set pieces that are just based around what happens when ward prowse comes on um in, in at the end of the game and not even just games you're chasing but but games that are closed or games that you, that you want to put to bed and stuff like that last 20 minutes on comes james ward prowse because like so often we don't even use our last sub <laughs> like your teams don't use their last sub i think that there's something there i think that it's it's kind of slightly under touched upon tactical grounds mm-hmm. but i do think that having a set piece specialist on your bench is uh is at least worth giving a bit of a go so yes i would i would look to sign ward prowse for that exact reason yeah i, I mean I, um sorry buddy well like Sinisa Mihailovic when he was at Lazio his his knees fell apart and he couldn't run anymore but uh, Mancini at Inter still bought him to to come in and he managed to play like 20 games in that final season and yep that was basically because of his set piece ability the guy was a, a, a magician with a free kick and they just they just managed to build a defence that was able to accommodate someone without legs just so he, just so he could have a free kick and just to take a free kick and take a corner James Ward-Prowse is a far better all-rounded kind of player he's got legs he can run around so I think we could we could probably get away with him in midfield and definitely um, take some take take advantage of his set piece skills. I'm not I, against it. I feel like he's the kind of player you could play in a match against Liverpool or City. You know where you where you're kind of you, you're 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 playing a more defensive setup. You're trying to do less. You're trying to just be solid, and he wouldn't have to be ex- yeah. particularly expansive or or run forward with the ball. He's just there to sort of sit in. And then if you do happen to get into their third, you've got an incredible weapon. You've got an incredible way of scoring an unlikely goal. Turn those tactical fouls against them. Exactly. Mm. So you, you have Lucas and Son motoring with the ball up the pitch and going to ground, and then War Prowse is is reaping the rewards. Like Nathan said, he's he's not great generally. He's like Winks level midfielder. Yeah. Um, but it's Winks plus because he does he does this incredible other thing which leads to a large, large number of goals across the season. I mean, I think he'd be more useful against against the low block teams where they, where they're giving away free kicks and stopping crosses. I think in those kind of sure. games, he could easily he could break down a team. And you know, once you go one nil up against a a West Brom kind of team, then then the game is there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, so between us, we just argue that we should sign Wall Prowse and play him for about fifty percent of the season. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I do think that our next one of our next couple of signings needs to be a set piece taker, um, and I mean that not because I mean no slight against any of our players. I mean Son's corners are not awful, but we can do so much better. Mm. Um, Kane's free kicks are awful. We do so much better, uh, and I-, I feel like it should be a consideration. Um, particularly if we're going to look to sign a, a right winger, for example, we should we should include in our in our search someone who can take a free kick because it can really elevate a team. Or we just sign Wood Press. Uh, Nitro nine 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 has got three questions, two questions for us. Uh, question one. How much longer are we going to feed the Harry Kane obsession at the cost of the team? I'm seeing players who have spent so long in the shadows that they have lost the ability to command the stage. I don't agree with your podcast comments about being able to afford to indulge Harry Kane. We've been doing this for too long. So this is this is related to a, 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 question, a, a discussion we had a while ago now. Um, and it's something we've spoken about quite a bit. Do we continue to indulge Kane? I believe, yes, we should because he's really good. And if you get the ball to Kane in and around the box, then he guarantees goals. Nathan's most recent video 
shows, hey, maybe Kane can press after all. Maybe he's not incapable of being able to press the ball. So, Bardi, what do you think? Do you think we should continue to indulge, as Nitro99 puts it? Um, I don't think we're indulging Harry Kane. I think he's still offering something good to us. I was I was a little bit hesitant and a little bit concerned about him early on in the season. But then I'm a little bit concerned and hesitant with the whole the whole Tottenham Football Club at the moment. Um, I, st- I still think he's, he's one of the best strikers in the world and he's well worth playing. And yeah... I can't see anything. I can't say anything else than that. No, we need to keep playing Harry Kane because we we have no alternative. But I, I do think that point about players spent so long in the shadow is a, is a bit unfair. I think Son has definitely stood up and become a leader in our in our team. And his performances now they cast a shadow on Harry Kane. I think he he's really um, he's really kind of um, stepped up to it and it, like he probably is our leader right now. Um, but no, we still got to keep playing Harry Kane. Yeah. Anything to add, Nathan? Well, I think that the the timing on this is interesting after the video did on his pressing, and I yeah. think that yeah, you, you <laughs> as long as he can do his defensive work, you indulge the rest, basically. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Nitro 909's second question was about Winks. Um, Winks appears to be a one... He's coming for the Harrys. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting because it's like he doesn't rate Kane, but he does rate Winks. I think that's at Ooh. odds with a lot of our fan base. Um, okay. Winks appears to be a one-man plague at our club for most of the support base. How bad is he? Personally, I've seen him play some great games for us under Pochettino. He's a safe pair of hands for the goalkeeper or centre-backs and sets a good tempo, shifting the ball across the pitch. I'm not always sure the balls, forward balls we all cry out for are available for him and if they are and he's been instructed to play them he wouldn't get close to the bench I'm not sure the Winks thing is so one dimensional as an academy player I think he's a product and someone who's spoken he's open to instruction i.e. he's not so maverick are we all 100% sure he's not doing what's been asked to do I mean, there's a, there's a quite a bit to unpack there. I think the last time Harry K, uh, Harry Winks played a forward ball, it ended up floating into the top corner in the Europa League. And since then, it's just been a misery of sideways passes and not progressing anything. He's yeah, he's an academy product, and I'm I'm very proud that an academy product has come through and ended up playing for England. But he's just not very good, and he's just not what we need. And um, yeah, I think there's nothing else really to add on that. I mean, in terms of his, like certainly right now, there's a there's an instruction that is focused on like a lot of sideways build up before you lay off a centre back into space and the centre back picks up a long, a long pass. So that's not on him. But like, um, I mean, he's he's always had weaknesses defensively. Um, yes, and he's never really got much better at them. There was a period of time under Mourinho in which kind of looked a little better, and then and then not. And it's not like through any lack of effort on his part it's just sort of an awareness and a sense of things that he doesn't really have he'll always switch off he'll always be unaware of space and stuff like that off the ball and that's not his fault obviously I think that in his sort of second and maybe third year of of getting game time under Spurs he was progressing pretty well um, in terms of his contribution in possession under Pochettino Um, he was mixing up his carrying and his passing and I think that he was making some fairly positive strides now it was a period of time which we weren't doing great Dembele was fading and he was kind of stepping up to that mantle and that was a tough one and then he got injured a few times in a row and I think that he lost a lot of his dynamism and I think that's an under-discussed part of the discussion around Winks is that okay he always had this flaw in his defensive game but maybe he he maybe he was he was heading in a direction where he was going to maybe offer quite an, a bit in possession and that might have been worth the trade-off and then that development not only stalled but went backwards I think he looks uh 
I don't think he wants to be engaged when he has the ball. I think he's scared of being closed down more now than he used to be as a result of the injuries that he's gone through. And I think that, well, now the trade-off is you get like a player who's tidy in in possession, but not that adventurous and also has like a lack of defensive awareness. And that just isn't, oh, <laughs> that isn't worth that much to a team who want to contend for, for Champions League places at the moment. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he, he's, he's a Tottenham fan. He's a local lad. He's an academy player. And I think that, you know, we demand loyalty out of Harry Kane and we also want to bin off Harry Winks. Um, I kind of think that that is just football. I, I think that we have to, uh, understand players' motivations a little better using that, that, that lens. But that doesn't mean that we're wrong to want to sell a player who, you know, might love Tottenham as much as we do and everything else, but also isn't that great. And that's okay. I don't think we should tell him he's a disgrace and he should fuck off. We need to get him out of our club as soon mm. as possible and that kind of stuff. We can say this is a player that we should probably be looking to sell. Anyone that acts one of our players to tell them yeah. they're rubbish is a dickhead and, and <laughs> needs to fuck off themselves. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting point you made about Winx's injury. And I remember the interviews with him after he'd come back about constantly playing through pain. And do you remember mm. him having to adjust to playing through pain? Pochettino made some references to it as well. Yeah. He needs to get used to the pain and live with the pain. Not kind of, not too keen on that. Yeah, and like it's obviously hampered him. Um, that said, we can speculate as to the reasons why, but we are where we are. And my view is that Winks would be significantly better in a possession-based team that wants to have the ball, but not good enough for where we want to be. And I, I think it is time he has a fresh start and moves on. And I think he would do perfectly adequately at a club like Brighton or Southampton. I think he, or Brentford. You know, I think he'd look pretty good in one of those teams and have a have a lovely old career. Villarreal. Yeah, why not? Less contact there, isn't there? <laughs> they don't like it up. And... <laughs> I bet it's going to be proper tactical. It's going to be proper tactical. One word is good for uh, for dodgy joints. So I've been told. <laughs> yeah, go to Mallorca, Harry. Yeah. Um, Jake D, California Coys, says the signing of Emerson has me really excited about the prospect of having quality fullbacks on both flanks. We've really missed that dimension since the final season at the lane. While the Hoybier skip is uninspiring in possession, I think he means while the Hoybier skip partnership is uninspiring in possession, having Regadon and Emerson providing an attacking width is a genuinely novel dimension to our side. What do you see as the prospects for Spurs building up play out wide and how will having two competent fullbacks established in the team change our patterns of play i've got I've, there's been something that's bothering me about this um this myth of danny rose and carl walker it's, it's been bugging me for quite some time okay yeah that um we had we had these gang busting fullbacks who were doing amazing things and it was it was the time of our lives but then that season i went back and had a look and danny rose and ben davies played exactly the same amount of games that season <laughs> yeah Dave, Dave's yeah. been playing quite well as a flying wingback. Dave's been playing quite well. I love Danny Rose and I've stood up from him many, many times on this podcast and spoken about how Danny Rose almost has came to represent Tottenham. But this whole Rose Walker thing is it's a bit of a myth. So Danny Rose played 18 league games. Ben Davies played 18 league games and had five substitute appearances. So he, he appeared exactly the most. Danny Rose's last start in that season was at the end of January in a, in a boring nil-nil draw against Sunderland. The next 15 league games were we won 13 out of 15 and blew everybody away. It was Ben Davies that was playing wide in a 3-4-3. Uh, 
So let's not get too let's not get too twisted that you need these fullbacks and go up and down. There's a, something about balance, which is something that we often get wrong at Tottenham. And I don't think I'm I'm very happy we've got Emerson, but sometimes the team needs balance, and you don't have to have two fullbacks that go up and down. Italy um, play with a kind of lopsided fullback formation. Man City get their fullbacks to to come inside. So yeah, that Walker Rose thing has been bothering me for quite some time. So I'm, I'm glad to glad to have ended. Interesting. That. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think you know, playing your fullbacks with an attacking role is like <laughs> as much as 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 you know having fullbacks with pace. Mm. I, I do, I do think that we miss Walker and Rose as a combination, or we have done. But um, yeah, utilization is is just as important and. Maybe Ben Davies gets a gets a bad rap based on based on that run of fifteen games. Well, I, I mean, I think that the this, this, the qualities that Walker and Rose had, which were so unique and unusual and made them such a weapon was that they were both really good ball carriers you, you don't mm-hmm. see too many fullbacks that can do what Rosen Walker did at the time which was transport the ball potentially 30 yards up the pitch uh, Trippier did it without having the ball at his feet he did it through passing yeah um, but we, we've not had fullbacks that can run with the ball and to be honest I don't think we have still I think Emerson and Regalon are not ball carrying fullbacks I think they're give and go fullbacks which are that's a really important strength as well they're they're very good at running without the ball and arriving in space and I think both are 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 good defenders and good attackers but their strength for me is in that sort of middle third of the pitch where they're linking up with with other players and and playing give and goes and I I'm really confident that both can be effective in in that way but they're not ball they're not like ball carriers like Walker and Rose were in, in my view and but I actually think Regalon's crossing is really really good so good and I think Emerson Royale's crossing has potential I don't think it's great at the moment but I've seen some signs that I kind of quite like um, and I think there's room and he's a young player I think there's room for growth there so I'm hopeful that they can become very effective attacking weapons so I kind of I kind of share Jake's excitement but I don't think necessarily we're going to see like amazing numbers in terms of output goals and assists I think they're just going to be contributors to the team playing better yeah I still think there's more work to be done in, in our centre midfield than it than it is at fullback. I think the fact that you mentioned Trippier as well and towards the end of that season where Walker fell out with Pochettino we were able to we were able to win games and play really well with Ben Davies and and Kieran Trippier as wingbacks. I think we've got a lot a lot of work needs to be done on the balance of the team and once the midfield is right then your fullbacks kind of like it just kind of works, you know. Also, Nuno likes his fullbacks to be either all the way deep in contributing in sideways build up mm-hmm. or all the way up mm-hmm. and, and pinning the opposition fullback all the way back and not giving and going much in midfield. True. Yeah, yeah. So we signed two possession based fullbacks and we're not paying possession based awesome. football. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, this is interesting. Ty says, on top of being a Spurs supporter, I'm also an Atlanta United fan and our new manager, Gonzalo Pineda, recently referenced the XG of the Knights match in his post-game press conference. Are there any managers in Europe that are openly speaking about expected goals? I'm positive this has happened. I just can't recall specifics. Also, do you... Do you all have any opinions on G+, do you find it useful? I just recently discovered what it is and can't recall ever hearing you guys discuss it. Love the show. So my understanding of G+, is it's... um, Is that goals added? I think it's like you look at the chance of scoring a goal from the position on the pitch before the pass was taken and then the chance of scoring a goal from the position it is on the pitch after the pass was taken. I think, and then you work out the difference between the two and you you have the, the G+, that each pass adds. I think that's it. 
I've not, I mean, I remember this is a really vague recollection because I heard about it, might have been a year ago now. And I feel it's something that's being used in American sports. It might actually just be the MLS that use it. I read an article about it and now I, I can't remember enough detail annoyingly, but um, you, you don't really hear managers talk about expected goals in the in the UK. In fact, I don't, I don't know if any managers talk about expected goals in the UK. Occasionally, occasionally. Um, so I think uh, Arsene Wenger mentioned expected goals or, was, uh, or answered questions about expected goals on a handful of occasions and um you often get like allusions to expected goals um like quite obvious ones not where like ones where it doesn't seem like the manager has like independently arrived at a discussion around chances which does happen but one in which either the in-house analyst who uses expected goals has used some terms with the manager and the manager's passes on or the manager is very familiar with expected goals but is like wrapping that language up in something a bit more palatable palatable for television yeah Yeah. because they know the ridicule i mean you remember the ridicule that brendan rogers used to get when talking about dominating possession i mean it was sure he he took so much flack for it that's exactly what I was going to say. Can you imagine the manager came, comes out and says, yeah, we lost the game, but we, we did really well on XG. He would get absolutely destroyed. Um, but Atalanta United are quite an interesting team. They've got Carlos Bocanegra is their technical <laughs> director. Jonathan Spector is player recruitment and development. Do you remember him from the yeah, United? Yeah. Their head coach history, Tata Martino, Frank De Boer, Gabriel Heinzer. Yeah. And now they've got football manager, kind of legendary left-sided defensive midfield left, uh, Gonzalo Pineda. That's Quite, quite the roster they managed to put together. They're an interesting side. They were playing mm. incredible football a couple of years ago. So, so G plus is goals added. Um, I so I worked um, when I was working on some stuff in this three side for a while. I was working with the model that uh, predated uh most modern discussion about goals added but was a very similar thing using working backwards from expected goals right you take a shot and then you work from the pass back before that and the pass back before that and the tackle before that and everything is is like an an extrapolation of expected goals a hundred times over um and so you get like this this sideways pass here contributed like 0.0001 of an expected goal um and then you, you, but, but by zooming in on those decimals, you, you get a reading and, and it really does pass the eye test pretty well. You know, the, the players you think are the best passers, um, have the highest, like, G plus or whatever to their part, to their short part. And you can separate to short passing and long passing and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and, and, and break it down. And like, you know, um, forwards in, in high pressing sides have the highest expected goal value to their tackling and their interceptions and stuff like that. So it does pass the eye test pretty well. But but then it can be quite... I mean, obviously, football is about scoring goals, but it, it can be sort of... Um, so if think about... Uh, imagine imagine a forward. <laughs> imagine a forward who... Um, he plays on a pressing side and he he uh, he tackles quite a lot and he wins the ball and from those turnovers his side score goals and that's great and so he has a high like G plus in that but then also in chasing those tackles he often isolates his fullback and leaves space to attack there and then maybe that's not picked up so well and stuff like that I, I think when you like you go oh here's the good metric hmm. that analytics has created expected goals let's work everything backwards from there there's good analysis to be found one of the reasons that we don't discuss things like this is because that data isn't that readily available um but another reason is that like there are there are 
issues with with working backwards from like one good piece of analytics and if you're looking for like who controls the tempo well if you're looking for um who denies access to certain areas of midfield if you're looking for who's good at providing width you can't do that working from goals added or expected goals added and stuff like that so so it, it adds it has some value but in a very specific way um that needs to be used with caution yeah, I, I think I think it's good. Like, so the the model I worked with before, everything was derived from that, and I think I, I that helped me make some interesting finds and, and and put together some interesting analysis. Um, it's totally worthwhile. And of course, this is always going to be the same with any piece of analytics mm-hmm. we discuss. As we say, well, you know, expected goals are good, but sometimes you have a performance where like you nearly get the shot off mm-hmm. ten times, mm-hmm. and those would have been great, but they don't come up and stuff like that. So any piece of of analytics has limitations. I'm just pointing out the limitations of these exact ones. But why don't we discuss this? model very much is because the data isn't out there basically is the main thing so there you go yeah 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 no it's it's interesting and i'm fascinated to see how that data would be presented to a a wider audience in a meaningful way (laughs) that's something i was doing and had Uh, some trouble with (laughs) yeah i mean you see xg misused terribly and we misuse it we we talk regularly about single game xg which is something that really annoys you know people who (laughs) use xg in football Uh, it should be used as a over a long period of time as a predictive measure or as a, a a way of, of judging players not on a single game basis but still we do it um so yeah it's fun in it <laughs> exactly exactly especially if it backs up the position that we already held before looking in it <laughs> that's when it's really that good so that's when it's like a that's when it's scientific <laughs> objectively i have the correct analysis on this game because the this one site not the other one that i normally use but this one site agrees with my position on on how the game went right um i think we've done a pretty good job of working through some of these questions so we will we will leave it there um i hope we filled filled your international break week and you know what i hope you're keeping well don't often say that but i hope all of you <laughs> are doing just fine you've been listening to the extra inch Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 